Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. It is good to see you guys. My hands got frozen pulling things out of the trailers this morning, pushing in those metal cases, and I'm like, oh. Made me feel bad for the kids that hooked up the trailers this morning. That was mine. I, I just pull up and back up, and they just kind of hook them up, and Avery or Molly comes in. She's like, my fingers. And I was like, it's not that bad. And then I got out. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's that bad. It is. Great to see you guys this morning. Welcome to church. If you haven't been here before, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Samuel. And Beck and I just have the absolute honor and privilege of serving you guys here at Life West. And we just started a new series called Q&A. So if you have questions, get your phone out, send them in, and then we're going to go through these next, we've got two more weeks after this. We're going to spend some time answering your questions, because that's what we do. When we don't know what to do, we go to God's Word. We go to the Bible and we figure it out. And so we're going to do that. But before we get into answering some of these questions that you guys sent in and while you're sending in some others, women's, the women's gathering is not happening this month. So I know you're real excited, so save that energy up. It's coming up again, but just hold on. That will not be happening. That and I do want to mention small groups are about to be kicking off here. And we love, love the church. But one of the main things that we see over and over in scriptures is that they met in the temple courts, they met at the church, and they went house to house. They were in homes. They were in homes. And so maybe, maybe small groups is something kind of new to you, but here's what it is, is you take something you love doing and you leverage it for the kingdom of God. You're like, you know what? Um, I like mountain biking. So let's get people together. Let's go mountain biking and let's pray and let's build relationships and we see what happens. And we see what God does. And yeah, we ride and we do some things that are fun. Maybe, maybe for you, you're like, I love deep Bible study. And you're like, that's what I want to do. Then you could start a deep Bible study group because that's what you love doing. And you're like, I, I just want to do it. If you're like, I do not like deep Bible studies. Those are too deep. Then, then don't drown. Don't do it. Find one that, that's not. That's okay. But let me just encourage you to join a small group. Join a small group. They're going to be kicking off here soon. So have that in your mind. Be thinking about it. And you're like, you know what? I've been to small groups and they're not any good. I don't want to do that. Okay, granted, I've been to some bad ones too. Okay, granted, then start your own. And then it can be whatever you want it to be. There, challenge accepted. You can start your own. You can make it great and you can fix all the snafus and issues in any small group you've ever been in. We'd love to have you get one. You get to know other people. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, confess your sins to God and be forgiven. It says, but confess your sins one to another and be healed. We're meant to be in community with each other. So join a group, get to know some people, and see what God does in it and through it. All right, question and answer. I do love these series because I never know what's coming up. Like, you just don't know. And so far, you guys have been really, really nice with the questions. I mean, we, had, we did have one question come in, like, how tall are you in football fields? I have no idea, nor am I taking the time to figure that out. That's useless information. Like, I don't know. I'm zero. I'm not that... Anyways. But what we do with this is here's what we try to do is number one, the number one thing that we do is we say, is there a scripture that covers that? And that's what we want to find. Number two thing we're going to do is we say, okay, there's not a scripture per se that like really nails that one thing, but there's a biblical principle that can be applied to it. 
And if we can't find that, I can give you, my, give you my opinion, and that's worth the price you paid to get in here, which is nothing. Okay, so it's just like, yeah, whatever with that. But let's just jump in, and here's what we got. The first question was this one. What happened and what happens, what happened in the Old Testament? Did they, people, for people who died, did they go to hell, that place that's not quite heaven or hell, but I think it's Sheol. Is Sheol still a thing? What was, what was this like? That They died before Jesus. What, what, what was going on then? And if it happened then, is it kind of going on now is how I, how I got that question. Well, Jesus says this in John chapter 3, verse 13. He says, no one has gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son, talking about himself. So when Jesus walked the earth, he said this, nobody that's died up to this point, nobody had been to heaven. Zero. Everybody say zero. 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 But there was a lot of people that had died. So where are they? Well, this is what the Bible says. And Jesus actually really gives us the clearest picture of this in Luke chapter 16. You may have heard the story. You may have heard this before. But there was a rich man, Jesus says, Luke 16 verse 19, who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Now notice it says this, over and over, some of the things that we see in the Bible is Jesus will say something like this, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'll tell a parable, like a man who goes out and scattering seeds, and some falls on the rock, and some falls on the rocky soil, some falls on the path, and some falls on good soil. Okay, that's a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like. Here he says this, there was a rich man. So Jesus is This isn't a parable. This is Jesus is accounting something that happened. He's not trying to just teach something. He's like, look, this is something that actually happened. There was a rich man in verse twenty. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered in sores, and longing to eat the food which fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Abraham's side, um, the place of the righteous dead. This is, where, this is where you would go before Jesus died, before, because Jesus paid the price. If he didn't pay the price yet, it wasn't done. There was a reason that Jesus had to come and die. It's because the things that they did before then, it wasn't good enough. They, there was animal sacrifices, and God's like, that's not good enough. Jesus would needed to come and die. So he went to Abraham's side. Now, the rich man also died and was buried. Now, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and says, Lazarus, to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. So the rich man is in hell. And man, we see so much about what happens after we die from this. Number one is, listen to this, the rich man was In hell, he looked and he saw. If you're looking, it's probably, and you're seeing, it's probably because you have eyes. And he recognized Abraham and he recognized Lazarus. He saw them and he asked Abraham, he says, Abraham, send Lazarus because I am in torment, he is in pain. That he may dip the tip of his finger, he's got a finger. You have a body. This idea of naked babies playing harps and floating on clouds, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. He says, I am in torment that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and put it on my 
tongue. If you've got a tongue and eyes, I'm guessing you've got a head. If you've got a finger, I'm guessing that you've got an arms and you've got a body. What we see from this is you don't mind wipe when you die. It's not like, okay, I forgot everything and it's all gone. I believe there's a reason that the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That when we meet him and we, we, we see opportunities missed and things that we would have done differently and we see the glory of where we're getting to go, there's going to be some tears, but he's going to wipe them away. And if there's tears, we have a body. But before Jesus died and before he paid the price, no one could go into the presence of God. And my Bible instructor explained it to me this way. He says, this is what I believe it is. He says, really bright light. You know, there's no, there's no sun in heaven, the Bible says, because it's not needed, because God is there, and he is the, he is, he is the light. And the Bible instructor explained it this way. He said, bright light, strong lasers. He says, if there's anything, anything on the lens or that gets in the way of these really bright lights, he says, guess what happens? He says, they break. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because I did stage lighting for the longest time. I ran sound and did different things. And before the LED bulbs came in, we had these light bulbs that I'd have to put into these really bright stage lights. And one of the things you always had to make sure that you never did was touch the light. Because if you touch the light bulb, just the dirt from my hand, doesn't look dirty, but just the dirt, the oil from my hand would go on the light bulb. And then when that light turned on, because that dirt was there, the bulb would get too hot and the bulb would explode. Give it about five, ten minutes and those things would just blow up. Because no impurity could be on there because it was so bright that anything that got in its way would just, it'd light, it'd light it right on fire. It would blow up the glass. So there had safety things in there. I remember one time I was in church and we're sitting there and I hear a boom and I knew what it was. I was like, a light bulb just blew. I'm glad I didn't check that one. And I look up and as I look up, there's little pieces of stuff coming down. I remember I looked, I'm like, oh no. And for years, there's probably still like fourth row back, purple old sanctuary, purple seats. There was little melted spots because the glass came down and it was, it was still hot. But when he talked about super bright lights and lasers, nothing being allowed on the lens. Why? Because it's so bright that anything that's impure that gets in its way just burns right up. And he explained God this way, that the reason why no one could go to heaven is because nothing impure can even, it cannot exist in his presence. And it wasn't taken care of until Jesus died. When Jesus died, it was taken care of. That's why nobody could go to heaven yet. But when Jesus died, it was, it was completely removed. Before that, the old covenant, it may have covered but it was still there, but Jesus removed it. Everything that we deserved was put on him. He took care of it all. So up until the time that Jesus died, nobody had gone to heaven. Jesus says, I'm the only one that's come. So they went to the place of the righteous dead called Abraham's side. And then it says this, talking about what Jesus did when he died in 1 Peter chapter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in his body, but made alive in spirit. After being made alive, he went and made a proclamation to those imprisoned spirits, to those who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. Jesus 
One of the things that he did when he died is he went down to Abraham's side, and I don't know what he said, but he said, but he's like, it's done. I did it. Let's go. And he took with him the people that were waiting. All those that had waited, that had believed that one day something was coming, the Messiah was coming. Jesus preached to them. He proclaimed to the imprisoned spirits. It says this in Matthew 27 about what happened when Jesus died. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, so he's hanging on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He cries out in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. At that moment, so this is right when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split, and tombs broke open. We forget about this part sometimes. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Verse 53, they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So the minute that Jesus died, he paid for it, he did it. Dead people all over Jerusalem came back to life. And then, the Bible says, they chilled. They waited in their tombs until Jesus resurrection. And when Jesus was resurrected, they went and were seen all through the city. They were seen all through the city, many of the righteous dead. So when Jesus died, he paid the price. That place is now empty because when we died, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now when we die, we get to go straight to heaven. You're not waiting for something. Jesus did it all. So if we look at what the Bible says and what happened to Abraham, or excuse me, what happened to Lazarus, it says when Lazarus died, angels carried him. Angels, that's two. I don't know if he was just a really big guy or what, but what it sounds like to me is this, when you die, at least two angels are going to carry you, and you're going to go to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, and they're going to carry you into God's presence. You're going to go to heaven. So what happened then? That's where they went because they were waiting for what Jesus did. But he did it. We don't have to wait. Hope that answers that one for you. Next question was this one. Do Jehovah's Witnesses go to heaven? Are they Christians? Who decides who a Christian is? Well, I do. So there you go. Um, um, uh, No, I definitely do not. Thank goodness that I do not decide that. No, it is not me. I'd make all the decisions based on your driving. And those of you who drive 45 mile an hour in the fast lane, none of you would make it. None of you. That's not where you drive that fast. So it's not me. Be really, really glad that it's not me. But here's what we do have. Acts chapter 4. We'll start with verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's through Jesus. Verse 11, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. There's no other name for which we can be saved. It's Jesus. You need to know the name of Jesus. And like, well, what if it's a different language? That's fine, but it's got to be Jesus. It's Jesus. Well, what if it's Ramana Mahona? Nope, it's the name of Jesus that it needs to be. Romans 10, 19, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, This is how we 
receive what Jesus did and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. It is with your mouth that you are saved. There is no other way. Oh man, that seems really, really picky. Absolutely. It is super inclusive, super inclusive. And like, well, it's very exclusive at the same time. Because what do you mean only Jesus? That just sounds, Jesus is the way, not a way, it is the way. But, But the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is the only way. But we're all welcome. But he is the only way. But everybody's welcome. But I want to do my own thing. Nope, he's the only way. There is one way. There's only the way, and that is Jesus, that he is the only, only way. So who decides? God decides. He looks at our hearts. He knows what it is. He knows absolutely where our hearts are. The Bible actually talks about it. It talks about when Jesus comes back, when we're standing before God, that some people will stand before him, and they'll be like, Lord, we preached We cast out demons in your name, and he'll be like, depart from me, for I knew you not. You may have known some stuff, but you didn't have a relationship with him. Some people who thought, well, aren't my works good enough, but they didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't believe that he died on the cross and rose again for their sins, and God's going to look at them and say, depart from me because they did not know him. Yes, it is exclusive, but it's open to everybody. What Jesus did is open to everybody, but he is the way. And he looks at our heart. No one's going to stand before God and say, you got it wrong. But it won't be an argument. It won't be a, but did you, freak? wait a second. What about this one time? And remember, God's like, no, I was there. I was there. So is there a name? Yes, the name is the name of Jesus. God looks at our heart. But if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. That instant, it's done. And then, but you want to know what repent is? Repent is to turn. And we're going to change the way we live because we believe what we said. Because things that we believe change the way that we live. Things that we believe change the way that we live. If you know a prepper, you know the things that they believe change the way that they live. They dig holes and bury things because they believe that's the best place to put it. They've got stacks and stacks of food, and we're like, well, if it doesn't go bad, I'll come visit you. You know what I mean? But the things that they believe change the way that they live. And that's what we, we, we need to have. We need to have that, not to have just a lip service faith, but it needs to change the way that we live. God, if you did this for me, If I believe you're coming back, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with you. How then should I live? It needs to change the way that we live. All right, next one. Do you believe in once saved, always saved, or can somebody lose their salvation? Great question. Love this one. Hebrews chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Hebrews chapter 6. And I think this one just... We'll be in Hebrews on both of these next two scriptures, and this will answer this one. It says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift. So they've been enlightened, they've tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted in the goodness 
of God's Word and the powers of the coming age. It's impossible for those who have experienced these five things and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. So here's what it says. There is, there, there, there is no doubt in my mind that you can lose your salvation because of what that says. So if you've experienced these five things, the Bible says, and have fallen away, there's no way for you to be brought back. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. That's Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. That's what I'm reading right there. Now, whenever somebody asks this question, what, what, what normally people are asking is like, where's the line and did I cross it? Or like, how close can I get to it? Or like, did I already go past it and what do I need to do? Like, how, what, what is this? And here's what I cannot say. I cannot say like, here's the line. Like, if you don't come to church next week, you're on the other side of that line. Like, I don't get to say that. But what I see, what is, what is incredibly clear here is yes, you can turn your back on God. You can turn your back on God. Now, what does it say the five things are? You've once been enlightened. Okay, so you know, you know the truth. It says, you've tasted heaven, the heavenly gift. There's arguments about what exactly the heavenly gift is. The Holy Spirit it mentions, mentions somewhere else. There's arguments. I, I don't know exactly. I, I really don't. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit. So that's the Holy Spirit. Tasted the goodness of God's word. I think that would be most, most of us in here, I would hope and of the powers of the coming age. And I know people who have argued about what that one is. And you look at some of the disciples and how God worked through them to the point that they're praying over handkerchiefs and putting handkerchiefs on people who are sick and they're instantly being healed because the power that was in them went into the handkerchief. But here's what I see extremely clear. It is possible. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form of once saved, always saved. I definitely, definitely do not. Hebrews 10, 26 says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy the thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? No, I read that, and that, that's a little sobering. That's a little sobering because... I make mistakes. I think most of us in here would be like, I've made one, two, made two this morning, I'm making one right now, I don't know, I mean, I don't know. But let me encourage you in this. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 24, 16, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Let me just say, God does not expect you to live a perfect life. He knows you can't. That's why he sent Jesus. He's like, they can't do it, they need help, I'm going to send Jesus. Now, I can't tell you exactly where that line is, but here's what I know. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And I'm like, God, I need you. I need you in this. And something that is so comforting to me in this 
is David in the Bible. David was king of Israel, the second king that they had. And then his son Solomon succeeded him. You may have heard of Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, and he was also, also the wealthiest man that ever lived. Well, after Solomon had built the temple that he wanted to build, and he had sacrificed all of these, made just a huge sacrifice to God, God appears to him again. 1 Kings 9, 2, and it says this, The Lord appeared to him a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard the prayer and plea that you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Verse 4, as for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over, the, over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, you shall never fail to have a, succe- a successor on the throne. Now, one, one, verse 4 really jumps out at me, and I'm going to read this part again. As for you, if you, this is, God is talking to Solomon. As for you, he says, if you follow me faithfully with integrity of heart, as David your father did. So David his father. Now some of you might know this, some of you do not. David, I love, here's the thing that gets me is he says, follow me with integrity as David your father did. Guess what David his father did? David his father is the one that was like, I don't trust God, so what we're going to do is we're going to count the people. I want to count everybody in Israel of fighting age. And his commander's like, don't do this. God told us not to. And David's like, I don't care. Go ahead and do it. And, and his commander's like, I don't want to do this. And the Bible says, but David's word outranked him. So he had to go do it anyways. And God came down and judged him and thousands of people died as a result. David is the king that when, he, when the kings were supposed to be out at war, he decided to stay home, was up on the roof. And while he's gazing around, looks out and sees a pretty girl bathing on her roof, which that's just so weird to do. Like, I don't know why anyways, like, but, but that's what he sees. So what does he do? He has her brought to the palace. He commits adultery. She was married. And then to cover it up, what does he do? Her husband is in the army. So he sends word to the commander of the army and says, put him out front where the fighting is the fiercest and then pull back and make sure he dies. That's what David did. And yet, what does God say about David to David's son Solomon? He says, as for you, if will you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness as David your father did? David made mistakes. He made some big ones. He made some big ones. Most of us haven't murdered people, but even if you did, so did David. Most of us, we know the things that we did, and we can look at others and think, oh, this isn't great. But I read where it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice is left for sin, there needs to be a hate in us for sin. 
And we live in a world that is normalizing and doing their best to try to paint the picture that living in sin is normal and okay, and you're weird if you don't. To the point that we look at it, and, in, and for many of us, it no longer even bothers us. Alarm bells don't even go off. We can watch things on TV, and you're like, it doesn't really affect me. That's the problem. If it doesn't affect you, that is the problem. We need to have a hate for it, but here's the thing. God does not expect us to live a perfect life. That's why Jesus came. We don't live in fear of that. But we do need to say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. We need to turn our back on sin. And if you make a mistake, you get up again. Though the righteous fall seven times, they get up again. It doesn't that the righteous fall and they stay on the ground like, well, this is just a bad habit that I'm just in, so I'm just going to stay here. No, you get back up again. You go to your small group leader and you're like, look, this is what I'm struggling with. The bottle's got me, alcohol. It's just, I, I just get pulled back to it. You, you, you got to break free from it. Why? Because the battlefield that we fight, the devil on, is in our mind, and you cannot give that to him. You're responsible for you. You do not give that up. You're like, no, it's porn, it's, it's, it's stealing, it's deceit, it's lying, it's materialism. I can't get away from it. I can't, give away, I can't give away anything. I don't have money. Money has me. If that's what it is, then break free from it. Get with your group. Get in a small group. Get with some people who can help you with it. Turn your back on sin and live for God. Because here's what I believe. I believe with all of my height, heart, height, with all of my height and heart, all of it, what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And what he has for me is so much better. It's so much better. But what we believe needs to change the way that we're living, or let me tell you this, you don't believe it if it doesn't change the way you're living. If you want $100, touch my hand by the time I count to three. One, two, Three, I get to keep it, thank you. I was in a service one time where a guy took off, was kind of making the same illustration, and he took off his watch, and he goes like this, first person up here can have my watch, and a kid in the front row in like two seconds runs up, jumps, and grabs it. And the guy's like, there you go. Afterwards, I found it was like a $12,000 fancy watch, and I was like, I will never make that mistake. I'll make sure I've got the money in my pocket, and I'm like, I won't be doing that. The thing he was trying to say was if you believed me, you would move. But you're like, is this really real? Because how many of us could use 100 bucks? Yeah, absolutely. I, I brought the 100 just in case. <laughs> Things that we believe, need to, they'll change the way that we live. It should change the way that we live. Once saved, always saved? Not at all. I'm not, but I do not live in fear of losing my salvation. I live in fear of not doing everything I can to please God and to make a difference now because I know I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven. I want on my tombstone what they wrote on David's tombstone, which was he served God in his generation. 
that that's what we get to do. That's what I want to do. I want to serve him. I don't live in fear of, oh, I didn't make it. No, God, I'm going to do everything that I can. Give me the boldness to do it, to do the things that you called me to do, to give what you asked me to give of my time, my emotions, my family, all of it, all of it. And not put anything in front of it. God, I give you everything. Remember one of my friends in high school, parents didn't go to church and I invited them and we were over there one time and I'm like trying to get him to come to church. Like, oh, she's like, my dad will not come to church. She's like, my mom, maybe we can get, but my dad will not come to church. And I go, what do you mean? And she goes, he will not come to church because he says this, he says, I won't put anything in front of my family. I remember thinking, I was like, you know what? I kind of respect him a little bit in that because at least he knows. He knows what he's putting first. He knows what his idol is. He knows what it is. And he's not lying to himself. I'm like, oh, I love God, but then my family. No, at least he knows what it is. Now, he's wrong. And you want to take care of your family? You want to be the best dad you can be for your family? You can't do it without God. And you want to really love your family? You let God soften your heart, change you on the inside, and then you'll be able to be the man that you need to be for your family. But at least he knew what it was. We do need to be asking ourselves, God, what's in the way? Because I know you're coming back. Today, tomorrow, the next day, you're coming back. I'm going to live like you're returning, and I'm going to spend eternity with you. There's time to have fun. Absolutely. I mountain bike. We get out there. But there needs to be an urgency in us that he's coming back. Let's live for him. I don't live in fear of losing it. Is it possible? Absolutely. It's super clear in scripture that you can lose it. I'm not concerned about losing it. I'm concerned about God. What else can I do? I don't want to miss an opportunity. Let that be what we are concerned about. Next question is this one. Do you think hell is eternal? So, let's go, to the, let's go to the Bible. There's a verse for that one, Mark chapter 9. Jesus is talking again. And in, honestly, the clearest picture and the understanding that we have about hell comes from Jesus. And he says this, but whoever causes a little one who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into a sea. You ever wonder, I think, kids have God's heart. They most definitely, definitely do. He's like, you mess with one of these kids. He says, I'll tell you what it would be better like. You, you mess with their eternity, it would be better that you had a millstone hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Don't mess with God's kids. He's a dad. You want to know where us dads get it from? We're made in God's image. It's this. Okay. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It'd be better to live your life maimed rather than have two hands and go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Is it going to be quenched? No, never. It's not going out. Where there was worms that do not die and where the fire's not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to live your entire life lame rather than having two feet and to be cast into hell where the fire shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Over and over we hear, it's not quenched, it doesn't die, it doesn't stop, never stop. This is what we see. 
Verse 47, and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It would be better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Over and over and over, what we see about hell is that it is eternal. It's not this, well, you'll pay for your sin for a little while. No, it is eternal. Matthew 25, 45 says this, and he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So everlasting punishment and eternal life. Everlasting and eternal. It's the same Greek word for both of them. It's this ahionoios. And it's like, the practical meaning is unending eternal. If heaven is eternal, hell is eternal. The same word is used for both of them. It's the exact same. There is no difference. It is forever. But we're given the time now to make those decisions to say, God, I'm going to make you mine. We don't have to live in fear of falling short, falling out of God's grace if we're serving him. But let me just say, it needs to change the way that you live. If you believe it, it will change the way you live. Y2K, year 2000, some of you remember. People buying, I had a friend that did. He bought, he had, he had 50, like five 50-gallon drums of gasoline in his car. He had a well dug in the middle of the night because he's like, it's all going down. So he had the guy come out and dig him a well even though he was on city water. And he's like, I'm not supposed to have one, but he, he, he's doing all kinds of things and he's digging this well to be able to do that. And he's stockpiling food. Man, after Y2K and nothing happened, I ate his stockpile of food for years. He's like, I've got more. I got more. Come on. We still got. I'm like, are you sure something else isn't coming? He's like, well, I got too much. But man, he had a, this is what he believes. He said, this is what's going to happen. And so I'm going to do something. Jesus is coming back and you need to do something. If you've already given him your, your heart, check that off the list. But have you given him your life? Are you a Christian walking that's waiting to die? You don't need to. You've got gifts. You've got talents. God wants to use you right now to make a difference. It's fun doing the things we're good at. It's totally different when we use those talents and those gifts and we leverage them to build the kingdom of God. It brings so much more joy. Your mission is not to bring home a paycheck, paint a room a different color, and fall over dead someday because you're all going to die. Be encouraged. There you go. Either Jesus is coming back or it's coming. It's, it comes to all of us. The day you were born, dude, you're going to die. It's coming. But what we get to do is make a difference between now and then. So what I want to encourage you to do is, number one, if you haven't gone through growth track, get in growth track. It goes on every single week during service. That's a time when we say we want to help you to know God. Number one, that's the number one need that you have. But after that, what are your gifts and talents? Get set free from your past and begin to make a difference today in this world, at your job, 
plug into church. Jesus said this, I will build my church. If you're like, Life West is my home, but you're not on the dream team yet and you're not serving, get on it today. Find somebody with a lanyard, come talk to me. I'll show you where you can get plugged in and begin to make a difference. Get around some people. Get in a small group where you can challenge each other with how you're building the kingdom of God and what it is that you're doing. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That you get around and you challenge each other. Maybe you challenge each other with your giving, challenge each other with your serving and what you're doing or the things you're doing to raise your kids up godly so that they know God and they're using, they're not waiting for anything, but they're using their gifts and talents too to build the kingdom of God. We're not waiting for anything. We get to do it today. But if you're here today and you don't know where you stand with God, you can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you do. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here and you say, you know, I don't know, but I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. The Bible says, we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. We will be saved. You can know. It's not a matter of guessing or wondering. It's accepting what Jesus did and then turning your back on your old ways and living for him. If that's you, and this is your first time or you're like today, you're just saying, I need to come back. I may have said a prayer once, but I wasn't living it. I didn't believe it. My life didn't show it and I know it. And like today's the day I need to give it to him and I'm going to change the way I'm living. If you're either of those in here or online, I'd love to say a prayer. When we say amen, you can know where you are, where you stand with God and begin to walk out anew with him. Get ready if that's you. One, two, three. Shoot it up and say, that's me. And today is my day. All right, let's pray with those that lifted their hands in room and online. All together, let's just say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me so I could be free. Thank you for shedding your blood. From now on, I'm going to live for you. With all that I am, I'm yours. Forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.